How powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day, your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply. All right, thank you for tuning in to Chomping at the Bit. This is episode 34. So this episode, we're going to take a look back at week seven in the NFL. I'm going to take a look at my biggest takeaways from the week, uh, as well as any, I guess, top stories from the week. Um, take a look at my bull prediction, see how that went, if I was right or not. And, of course, end of the episode, review my week seven picks. And see how well I did. See if I can, you know, bounce back from last week where I struggled. Uh, I went two and four last week, so hopefully I did better this week. But we'll get to that at the end. But to start the show off, I want to talk about Cam Newton. I'm I'm sure some of you saw the game. A lot of you probably saw highlights of it or whatever. But Cam Newton's struggles have continued uh, with the Patriots. He got benched. Uh, against the 49ers in the fourth quarter. Of course, it was warranted. You know, he had a terrible, terrible day. And it's kind of been a string of bad performances. So the 49ers game, the Broncos game. He wasn't there for the Chiefs game. That's when he had his uh, positive test for COVID. So don't blame him for that one. But the Patriots have now lost three straight. First time they lost three straight in, you know, God knows how long. But it's it's definitely a question to talk about. So, you know, we all know Brady was there last year. Um, he and Belichick or whatever, he and the organization parted ways with each other. For me, you know, Patriots fan, I thought, you know, it was time. Brady wanted to go. As he said on Howard Stern, you know, he was ready to go from the year before. Belichick, you could tell, was ready to kind of start the transition from Brady. So Brady goes to Tampa Bay. You know, the Patriots came into this year. They were getting ready to start with Stidham, kind of see what he had, whether or not he could be the quarterback of the future. But, of course, there was always that name of Cam Newton out there. You know, nobody was really looking at him. And it kind of became a thing of maybe it was just Cam Newton's demands money-wise that teams were turned off. But, you know, fast forward, he and the Patriots come to an agreement. Now, I will say, you know, with Cam's last couple of years in Carolina, I mean, I wasn't the biggest fan of Cam. You know, he had his MVP year, the year they went to the Super Bowl and all that. He was, you know... Clearly, it was his best year ever. He did have that play in the Super Bowl where he didn't dive on the ball. But, you know, even with that, fine. But a lot of the issues that plagued him late in his tenure in Carolina are the same things you're seeing now where it looks like his mechanics are off. 
Seems like he's always throwing off his back foot. He's not accurate. Although, if you look at his numbers, I think his completion percentage is actually like 67%, which is good. But it's just that when you watch the game, he's missing, you know, intermediate throws. He's thrown behind receivers. And sometimes the receivers are able to make the adjustment to make the catch. But other times it's, you know, you know, bouncing off their hand or he's just completely missing them or he's getting picked off. He has seven interceptions on the year. He only has two touchdowns through the air. You know, he has some rushing touchdowns. Fine. But I mean, he's playing the quarterback position, so he has to be a threat with his arm. And right now, that's just not happening. Decision making is also an issue. Um, I know everybody's getting on Nikhil Harry and Demir Bird, lack of tight ends, all that kind of stuff as to reasons for the Patriots offense struggling. But there's actually numerous plays that when you watch it, receivers are actually open. It's just that Cam either isn't getting to them in his progression or I guess he's just not comfortable making that throw or what it is. Or maybe he's just locked in on a guy and he's not seeing the other people. But, you know, it was an issue last year with Brady. And even with that, I don't know how much how much of that was Brady's mentality being that he was going to leave. So, I mean, he pretty much said he wasn't going to work with Nikhil Harry because he was already leaving. Whatever. I get it. But Cam Newton, you know, he keeps saying every week the answers for the offense are in that locker room. Which of course, he has to say that. But you would like to see some type of improvement. You know, first week of the season, they ran the ball down Miami's throat. Miami could do nothing about it. They won the game that way. Then they had that great game against Seattle where Cam showed he could throw the ball. Of course, at that point, we didn't understand that, you know, the Seahawks defense is just that bad that every quarterback looks good against them. So now hindsight, we look at that game and we're just like, oh, that's just more about Seattle than Cam. But outside of that, it's only when the Patriots run the ball effectively, they win. Um, games where they have to rely on Newton to make, you know, passing, passing the ball, he has to make decisions, make the right decision, make the, you know, pass on time and all that. It just hasn't been there. So now... For me, you know, this is already a year for the Patriots to be in transition anyway. But now within this transition year, they've kind of come to a crossroads where the trade deadline is now a week away. It's on election day. And you're not going to keep Cam Newton if he's going to be your backup. That's clearly obvious. So... You know, he's he's saying all the right things. After every game, he says he played poorly. He needs to do better. Um, he's embarrassing himself. When he got benched, he was like, he, he understands it. If he doesn't play well, he should be benched. And because of that, you feel like there's a chance he could turn it around. But it just seems like the issues he's having throwing the ball... 
I don't know if they can be fixed right now. You know, the mechanic thing has been an issue before. I don't know if it's because he's like he recognizes that he's a big, strong guy. So I don't know if because of that he doesn't feel like he has to work on his footwork. Now, when I'm talking about footwork, what I'm saying is, I mean, most quarterbacks, when they drop back, they have to get on their front foot, like shift their weight to their front foot, you know, bring their arm over the top, drive the ball towards the receiver. With Cam, it looks like he's always dropping back and then stopping, leaning back, and then throwing the ball over the top. And, you know, give it to him. He has a pretty strong arm throwing that way, but you see it more on timing routes. So if uh, Nikhil Harry or Julian Edelman is running a slant pattern, slant patterns are all about timing. When, if it's like a five-yard slant, once that plant leg hits on the five yards, the ball should be on its way. That way, as soon as they make that break and they get past the corner, the ball's on its way out in front. You're leaving the receiver so you can get yards after the catch. A lot of times with Cam, it's like the guy will make his break and Cam will throw it like right at their body so when they catch it there's no momentum going forward or he's throwing it behind them and then now they catch it and they're kind of going the other way it seems like the only throw that he's really comfortable with is um there's a play that they run a few times where you know bird will be in the slot he'll kind of run an out and then go up a few yards and kind of just stand there those plays, Newton hits those because, like I said, Bird's standing there. He's stationary. He's just waiting for the ball to come to him. Newton can make that throw. Like I said, routes on the on the move, it's hit or miss with those. A lot of those, a lot of his interceptions this year have been guys in the middle of their route or coming to the end of their route, and Newton throwing the pass off the mark and it's getting picked off. So, I mean, at this point, he's been benched. Trade deadline coming up. I don't know if you can trade him at this point with all the struggles. So, if you look at it, the next two weeks they have at the Bills and home for Baltimore. So, the Buffalo game will be the last game before the trade deadline. And... Like, I, I don't know, because I want to say he'll be around for the whole season. But if he goes out against Buffalo, struggles again. And as I mean, I don't know if any of you heard this, but the game up in Buffalo, they're already talking about with the forecast, you know, winds being 45, 50 miles an hour. And in that stadium, the way that the stadium's built, once that wind gets kicked up, you know, it just continues to circulate so the passing game is going to be affected kicking game is going to be affected how powerful is cox internet so powerful that one day your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard 
Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. So you would think this is a game that he should be able to do well in since it's going to be predicated on running the ball. But at this point, what does he have to do to you know, warrant keeping his job for Belichick. I feel like just leading New England to a win against Buffalo isn't enough. There has to be a sense of him commanding the huddle, which he not saying that he hasn't done that, but need to see like the offense have some type of rhythm, some kind, some kind of tempo, you know, making smart decisions with the ball. When there are passing situations, which, like I said, in those conditions, it's going to be more, you know, screen games, uh, well, screen plays, sorry, um, maybe little quick outs, you're not going to really throw the ball that much downfield. So we're not going to see much of that in this game. But, I mean, beating Buffalo, the division leader, will go a long way into keeping keeping him past the deadline. But if he goes out there, has another game where, you know, he's throwing unnecessary interceptions, offenses are moving, then this could very well be his last game in a Patriot uniform. And if he doesn't take advantage of this opportunity, I just don't know where the opportunities are going to come in the offseason. What what team's gonna look at him? I mean, now that I say that, I can think of maybe one. Actually, I don't know. Cause I was gonna say the Cowboys, but the Cowboys are probably gonna re-sign Dak. They're not gonna bring Cam in as a backup, unless if they do. Thinking Dak won't be ready by the start of next year, but would Cam go there just to be there for a couple of weeks until Dak comes? But it's a move that Jerry Jones would make just for name recognition alone. But, I mean, I don't know where he would fit in the league. So, could it be that a guy won an MV- league MVP, isn't that old? He's, what, 32? I mean, in this era, quarterbacks are playing late 30s to 40. Of course, Brady's gone 43 at this point, but he's the anomaly in all this. Could it be that Cam's career could literally be on the line for this Buffalo game and if he gets past Buffalo the rest of this season? And I don't know if I thought of that ever happening to him. Like I said, when he came out of school, I said he had accuracy issues coming out of Auburn, but I thought his mobility and all that could kind of cover up for it. Because if he read, you know, if he could read the defense and he didn't like 
any of the passing lanes and all that, then he would just take off fine. As long as he's winning games, who cares? But now it's to the point where it's like he's getting confused by defenses. Sometimes he's just standing back there in the pocket and taking unnecessary hits. He's just not being productive. And then early in the season, it seemed like he was having the most fun in the NFL. But now that he's starting to struggle, it's like he's almost dreading being out there. So hopefully, you know, he, Belichick, McDaniels can come up with some type of game plan uh, for this weekend against the Bills. You know, get back on the winning track and kind of turn this season around. Because being at 2-4, and four, this is not something that Patriots fans are used to. I mean, not since that, not since the year when Brady, you know, got hit on his knee first game of the year. And, you know, most Patriots fans knew once Matt Castle came in, the year was pretty much done. But other than that, Patriots fans, at least for the past 20 years or so, have been looking at every season as playoff, AFC title game, Super Bowl run. You go to two and five, I mean, your expectations of the year have to completely change to, I mean, you probably will forget the division at that point. Now it's just going to be, can you sneak in as probably the extra wild card at this point? So, like I said, big Sunday for Cam Newton. I mean, he's got a, he's got a lot to prove. I know that he's been known as a you know leader in the locker room and all that, but at some point he's probably going to start losing you know players in that locker room who are just going to look at it like, why not play the young guy? See if we can get some some type of spark. Why keep running Cam out there? And we know what we're going to get. Bad interceptions, stagnant offense, and we're just going to keep losing games. So, Cam, as a Patriot fan, I'm hoping you play well against Buffalo. I really do. I mean, I haven't come fully around from my criticism of Cam. I still see the same things right now but like I said there's still what 10 games left in the year he can prove me wrong but I'm still gonna say eh he is what he is so yeah but now I guess transitioning from that we're gonna go to the other games in week 7 of course I'm not gonna run through every game and the score and all that, but biggest takeaways from week seven are one, the Cowboys are a complete mess. Yes, they were a mess already once Dak went down, but I mean, this team, you thought when you saw Washington on the schedule this week, even with Andy Dalton, you thought, you know, this is a game that they could possibly win. No, they lost 25 to three. They were never in the game. And Andy Dalton didn't even finish the game. Uh, it was late. He, they were, The Cowboys were up against their own goal line. Dalton dropped back into the end zone. Nobody was open. He took off, scrambling, went to his slide. He did his job. Uh, 
Bostick, John Bostick, the Washington linebacker, went in late, hit him up high in his head, helmet comes off, Andy Dalton's, you know, rolling around on the ground, he's clearly hurt, gets some concussion, maybe more, who knows, maybe like a sprained neck or something, but it was a bad hit, it was a late hit, it was a dirty hit. Most teams, your quarterback gets hit like that, somebody's looking to fight somebody. Some offensive lineman will usually push somebody, leads to other offensive linemen, pushing other people. Maybe a wide receiver gets into a cornerback's face. You know, something like that's supposed to happen. From Dallas, you got nothing. Dalton's on the ground. Offensive linemen are kind of looking down at him. I believe one actually bent over to ask him if he was okay. The other ones just stood there. So that let me know all, all I need to know about the Cowboys. The players there on the field, they're waving the white flag on the season. Um, you know, you're starting to hear Mike McCarthy may not be the right coach for this group, blah, blah, blah. It's Mike McCarthy's first year. Cowboys have been losing like this for years before him. So I'm not going to pin it all on him. How about Ezekiel Elliott hold on to the ball? Gotta be honest, I didn't really watch that game because Washington Washington doesn't really interest me and the Cowboys, what's the point? I did catch the highlights though. I'm not going to say I didn't watch it, but you know. So the Cowboys, complete mess. Yes, the division still stinks, so they have plenty of time to turn it around, but I don't see anything worth you know, hanging my hopes to. Andy Dalton isn't getting it done. The defense is still, you know, bottom half of the league. Um, special teams, whatever. I don't know. Maybe they start winning division games and. You know, build some wins that way and ultimately win the division on some tiebreaker or something, but I, I they're at rock bottom. That's all I gotta say. So next takeaway. So Brady has turned his season around. They didn't even have Antonio Brown on the field yet, so that's coming probably next week. Or week nine, I guess. Gronkowski, they've he's starting to find some life on the field. He's actually producing instead of the first few weeks where he was just an end of the line blocker. Would go up for a couple of routes, might catch a couple of short passes, then he's going down. Now, you know, scoring touchdowns the past couple of weeks. The offense looks pretty good. Uh, they, I mean, they did lose Godwin to a broken finger uh, he's supposed to be out a couple of weeks but he'll be back Mike Evans is still hobbled a little bit but I have to feel like as the year goes on he will continue to get back closer to 100% once you insert Antonio Brown you probably going to take snaps away from Scotty Miller but Scotty Miller becomes you know, pretty good fourth wide receiver option uh, Fournette 
I think he had, what, 11 carries, like 55 yards. So, you know. Why? Why? If you have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. It's good production. So between him, Ronald Jones, you know, they have a good two-headed rushing attack. Defense is young. They're playing well right now. So... You know, after the first couple of years, I mean, first first couple of weeks, you gotta look at it and say one. Brady is now in the MVP conversation. Two. The Buccaneers are back to being a Super Bowl contender because they came into the year as basically a Super Bowl contender after the first two three weeks. Everybody was like, eh, maybe not this year, but now it definitely looks like they're gonna be there in the end. Three, can we put this whole Brady vs. Belichick thing to bed? One, I don't understand what what the talking points are about this. It's a coach and a quarterback. One clearly, you know, isn't more important than the other because in order for a quarterback to be successful, you usually have to have a good coach helping you out and in order to be a good coach you have to have a good quarterback to produce on the field so they both needed each other so the fact that Tampa Bay with Brady is outperforming the Patriots Belichick with Cam Newton does not prove that Brady is better than Belichick all it proves is Brady is better than Cam Newton. I mean, I mean, most people would have said that anyway, but, but yeah, so I, I don't need to see Rex Ryan, which don't get me started on him, you know, basically sitting up there like laughing at the fact that the Patriots are struggling. Bro, you're not even coaching in the league anymore. What do you have to laugh at? You were in, he was in the division with the Patriots for years. And outside of that one year with the Jets, where they had that crazy year and they went into Foxborough and beat the Patriots, he didn't really have that much success against New England. So, yeah, I understand him laughing is all about, you know, jealousy of Belichick and all that, whatever. But the constant comparisons between Brady and Belichick are just insufferable so you, you mean to tell me that because Brady's gone and having success the like Belichick's whole resume is what a complete joke or something no Belichick is still I mean if you want to say best coach all time he's definitely probably the best coach in the NFL right now so but yeah, Rex Ryan and um, Max Kellerman, Nick Wright, guys like that. I, I don't need to hear from you people. But 
But you know what? I'm happy for Brady. You know, I do, you know, hope he does well. He's definitely looked better this year with Tampa than he did last year with New England. I mean, last year in New England, it was like every third drop back, he was just firing the ball into the ground because, you know, he didn't see anybody open right away. So, you know, Tampa Bay has better weapons than New England. That's obvious. And you're seeing it. I mean, his last game, he went 33-45, 33-45. He had four touchdowns. That's vintage Tom Brady. So. But, I mean, with Brady's age, Tampa Bay's going all in this year. So if they don't win it this year, I mean, that's a failure. And you got to have to wonder, will they actually ever win it with Brady there? It seems like this is going to be their best year to do it. Their best chance. You know, at least you know right now, Brady is still playing at a high level. You can't sit back and think, well, next year he'll just be the same. You don't know. Um, so, yeah, that was my second takeaway for the week. Third one. <sighs> Sorry to my Falcons fans out there, but what what are we doing here? How they lost that game, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I do know. But also hearing... ESPN folks and some other ones saying well Nate Burleson mainly on NFL Network saying you can't blame Todd Gurley Todd Gurley is wired to score touchdowns he scored a touchdown so because some people said it was like a game losing touchdown and which is funny to me but Burleson's thing was you know he scored a touchdown so what they had the lead the defense couldn't hold it. Yeah, that's why you blame Todd Gurley. Why do you think Matt Ryan in the huddle said, or or something like that, where he like broke through the line, and I think Matt Ryan was yelling out, go down. And supposedly as the play came in, they are told, do not score, because there was a good chance that Detroit was going to step aside, let them score so Detroit could get the ball back to try to score and get the two-point or whatever. But... For Gurley, and you could tell Gurley knew what to do because he was running. And then as he was going into the end zone, he tried to dive to the side to not get in, but got in anyway. And it's it's obvious why that was the plan. There is no reason to trust the Falcons defense. They can't stop anybody. So why? Why would you do that? Even, you know, with Detroit being what Detroit is, Detroit's not setting the league on fire, but when it comes to competent quarterbacks, they can torch this Falcons defense. So, yes, I don't put all the blame on Gurley because, yeah, you know, Gurley scored fine. Hey, defense stopped them from going 80 yards in what was like a minute 15. They didn't even have any timeouts. So... So yeah, it's probably maybe 30% on Gurley, 70% defense. 
and the defensive coaches and head coach. You put all that together, you get another blown lead by the Falcons. And of course, I watched that game. Being here, the Falcons games are always on TV. So, and when Gurley scored, I had already told myself I just had a feeling that Stafford was going to find a way to get it done, and the Falcons were going to find a way to, you know, not pressure him, give him all day to, you know, survey the field all day for wide receivers even if they get to the end of their route start improvising improvise enough you'll find open spaces and what did they do they found open spaces marched down the field like nothing and ultimately won the game with a second left so now the questions are circulating what do the Falcons do here week before the trade deadline do you make moves? I mean, do you get rid of Julio Jones? You have Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley is clearly your number one wide receiver of the future. Fine. Do you... Maybe do you move some of these young pieces on defense that clearly aren't getting it done? Sure. I don't know what you'd get. You'll probably get draft picks, but at this point, I mean, you're in full rebuild at this point. Clearly, the Matt Ryan, Julio Jones connection, apparently the height was making one Super Bowl and blowing a lead in the Super Bowl. Because since then, they haven't gotten anywhere close to that type of you know, seasonal production. And it just seems like defensively, they have no identity. They they don't rush the passer. They can't cover wide receivers. Titans can have their way with the defense as well. But they have all these athletes on defense. Deion Jones, Keanu Neal, you know, guys like that. Dante Fowler, although... They gave Fowler good money based off of what? I don't know. Fowler had one good year in Jacksonville. Once the Rams had a eh year. Parlayed that into a good deal with the Falcons. And, you know, listening to announcers after the game on Atlanta radio, they're just like dumbfounded by Fowler's lack of production. If you paid attention to his career, you wouldn't be surprised by it. So, I mean, the Falcons teased everybody with that win against Minnesota that now you have to see. Says more about Minnesota than it did for Atlanta because the following week against the Lions team. Now, if you remember, uh, when I previewed, I think it was the Vikings game, I did say the Falcons could get by the Vikings, then they should be able to win their next three because they had the Vikings the Lions and I want to say the Broncos before they got to the game with the Saints they were one in five yeah yeah they were one in five at that point and I was like win your next three you're four and five at that point 
you're basically starting your year over. Seven games left to go. You're four and five. Find a way. Get over 500. Maybe you get in. But now, sitting where they are, the season's done already. I don't know what hope you have going for the future other than Calvin Ridley and Calvin Ridley. So it's a team that needs running back help. Gurley's getting up there in age. Offensive line still is terrible. Jake Matthews, you know, was a high pick, but he has not lived up to it at all. So Falcons have a lot of questions, not a lot of answers, at least presently. So I think it's a team that should probably trade off some people, trade deadline, get as many draft picks as you can, and then go to work from there. You know, draft yourself a replacement for Matt Ryan. Sure. Whether you keep him or not, he's getting up there in age as well. You need to have the guy ready to follow him. You have Calvin Ridley ready to supplant Julio Jones. Get a secondary wide receiver. They have Hayden Hurst as their tight end. You know what? Go ahead and get yourself another tight end. Fine. They just got to do something. I I don't know how much more of this group I can stomach watching week after week. You know, they're just making up ways to lose these games. And it's, I mean, I know Falcons fans, it's infuriating. You're still holding on to that year they made the Super Bowl, but there's a lot to fix on this team. So, yeah, that's my biggest tickets from week seven. I mean, there's some other ones. Odell Beckham, another guy who could have been on the move. He got hurt. He's out for the year. So you can forget that. And Zach Ertz, another guy, tight end in Philadelphia, who just seems like he's not really a match there anymore. He got hurt. He's on IR, so he's going to be out the next uh, what, three weeks at least. So he may not be able to go. So the trade deadline, I do think there's going to be some movement, but... We've had some movement so far. Carlos Dunlap going to Seattle. Um, I think that's it for right now. But I'm expecting to see some moves between now and probably Sunday. Because if you do make a trade, you probably want to do it before Sunday. So you maybe get the player up to speed to play in that game. If not, at least to get a chance to practice. So definitely look out for that. Any big trades do happen. We will talk about it on here. But... On to bold prediction. I said Nikhil Harris will score a touchdown. I was dead wrong on that. He didn't even make it out of the first half. He took a nasty hit to the head. Went to the locker room. He was done for the day. One catch. Six, eight yards or something. So that prediction was off. But that is something I will do going forward. Bold prediction for the week. Um, so hopefully I can come up with something better next week. But now, the time that you've all been waiting for, week seven picks. Now, I did realize that I screwed up with my picks because I did not pick the Cardinal-Seahawks game, which was the Sunday night game, and I always do the Sunday night game, 
But for some reason, I forgot that was a Sunday night game, so I didn't pick that this week. So I will fix that next week. Definitely do Sunday night game. But um, I, you know, first time listening, I always pick Thursday night game, Sunday night game, Monday night game, Falcons game in the Atlanta area, Patriots game, Patriots fan from Boston. Then usually another game outside of that. So six picks every week. So let's go ahead, run down my picks real quick, see how well I did, and then see if I can improve off the two and four I had last week. First game, oh, I also pick against the spread. I don't just pick the winner of the game, but against the spread. So first game, Thursday night, Eagles playing the Giants. Eagles went into that game, three and a half point favorite. I took the Eagles uh, in that matchup. The Eagles did win the game, but they won 22-21. So that's a loss for me. Fine. 0-1 on the week already. Second game was Falcons against the Lions. Falcons were actually a two and a half point favorite. I actually picked the Falcons in this game. And as I mentioned before, the Falcons lost the game. It's another loss. So starting the week 0-2 is looking a lot like last week. But let's keep, keep pushing it forward. See how we go. Third game. Uh, Panthers and the Saints. Saints seven and a half point favorite. I remember saying that for that game, there's no way that at this point the Saints are more than a touchdown favorite against anybody other than the Jets. So I took the Panthers in that matchup. Uh, the Saints won the game, but they won 27 to 24. So not enough to cover. So by taking the Panthers, that is a win for me. So starting to turn this around fourth game i don't even say much about it but i took patriots two and a half point favorite over the 49ers they got blown out 33 to 6 so that's not even close that's a loss so sitting at one and three two games left best i can hope for is three and three week which i'll take at this point but uh, next matchup i took was buccaneers and the raiders raiders Two and a half point underdog at home. I took the Buccaneers in that matchup. I just said the Buccaneers, the offense is rolling. So I thought they'd have no problem against the Raiders. They definitely had no problem because they won 45 to 20. So that's a win for me. Um, Rams and the Bears. That was the Monday night game. So the Rams went into that as a five and a half point home favorite Uh, I went with the Rams in that one I felt like the Bears offense was too inconsistent for me and what do you know they had another down game so the Rams won that one 24 to 10 so that means I went 3 and 3 on the week I'll take it I'm now 21 and 20 on the year that's 51.2% I said I'm going to get to 60% by the end of the year so have some work to do um, so I will definitely look at the Thursday night game in my next episode. So that's what you have to look forward to. I will also touch on the World Series, which probably just since the opening, but congratulations to the Los Angeles Dodgers for winning the World Series. Um, so we'll touch on that 
in an upcoming episode as well to see. Well, we got to talk about Kevin Cash and his decision to pull Blake Snell after what 72 pitches and he was dealing. Have to talk about that. Talk about Justin Turner. We'll get into that in, in, in the episode. If you haven't heard that story, you can go ahead and look for it. But basically, he played in the game up to the ninth inning. The league was then told that he <laughs> tested positive for the coronavirus. So they had to make a call to the Dodgers to have them pull him from the field after the eighth inning because they said, hey, guess what? You tested positive. This is after he took a first test that came back inconclusive. So the Dodgers like, well, I guess that means you can play. Why not? So he played, found out his second test, came back positive, got pulled. But then after they won it, he was back on the field without a mask. So we'll get into all of that as well. The careless ways of baseball. And yeah. And then also later in the week, we will get ready for the college football weekend as well. And um, yeah, I'll kind of take you through the end of the week. But also before I go, just wanted to say that uh, Chomping in a Bit podcast is now on Amazon and Audible. So definitely uh, big news for me. So now there's plenty of platforms you can find me on. As I say all the time, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. Now we have Amazon, we got Audible, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Spreaker, where it, it it's out on everything right now. If you're on the platform, it's there. If not, let me know. I'll definitely get it out there. But, but yeah, so thank you for tuning in. Um, hope you liked it. I mean, if you disagree with some things I said, definitely leave a comment. Let me know. But I do hope you like what you heard. So you like the episode, like the show, subscribe to the show, you know, follow the show's page on facebook um you can follow on instagram or wherever twitter at chomping podcast on twitter definitely give it a follow there but but yeah so thanks again thanks for tuning in uh definitely catch you on the oh be safe of course and definitely catch you on the next episode so all right Are you struggling to lose weight and keep it off? Tired of wasting time and money on starvation diets that lead to more frustration and stress? If there was a weight loss solution that could actually work for you, would you try it? Then head to golo.com. I'm Steve. I lost 138 pounds in nine months on Golo. I'm Amber. I've lost 128 pounds with Golo. If you're ready to take back control of your life, head to golo.com now and see how Golo can work for you. That's golo.com. My sleep is way better. My 
inflammation has gone way down. Golo saved my life. I was way overweight. That's what sent me down the path. I wanted to make sure and live for my kid. I have literally tried everything. I was on the verge of getting gastric bypass surgery, and I saw the Golo commercial, and it was the last thing I tried because it worked. Join over 2 million people who found a better way to lose weight with Golo. Your healthier and happier life begins at Golo.com. That's G-O-L-O.com. Again, G-O-L-O.com.